right, FOF, we are, uh, boom, full-on Christmas, right? Let's give it up for the people who, like, just kind of transformed this place over their Thanksgiving, all right? And, and really, for just for, for, for Pedro Carrera and, and the band that gathered today, let's give it up one more time for them, too. Just awesome. Know how it works in your house for us day after Thanksgiving. We go into this Christmas mode, but with it, what's important is that there comes all of these, 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 these traditions that have developed in our family that we have got to do every single Christmas. Now, it doesn't matter if we want to do them or not, right? We've got to do them. And, and as part of this run, what, what's really become central into our family is there are certain movies in the Christmas season that just have to be watched, okay? I, I just want to see if some of you are kind of dancing on the same page with this, all right? And uh, like, okay, how many of you here go old school and are like, you know, it's a wonderful life, has got to make it out, okay? Or Miracle on 34th Street, okay? Who is Christmas Story all the way? Yeah, right? Um, now, I almost got slapped around because I didn't mention this one earlier. You hear? I don't see you. Anyway, um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah? Um, here's one that's crept into our house recently and uh, almost kind of unaware. I'm curious if it's the same for you. How many of you are, like, busting out home alone in December? All right? Now, there is a special movie for me that has to come out every Christmas. Now, it's not really shared by my family as a Christian Christmas tradition, but for me, it's absolutely central. It, it's about 20 years old. It's an old Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin movie called The Edge. Have you ever seen it? It's a story of a plane crash in the wilderness and about man's will to survive, and it's filled with, like, betrayal and adultery and, and getting mauled by bears. So it has basically everything central to the Christmas season, you know, going on in it. But for me, this has become a, a Christmas tradition movie. Now, in The Edge, there is this, this iconic line as they're sitting there at that, that crossroads. And we all know about crossroads decisions in life, right? Sometimes they're out here. Sometimes they're in here. But we all know about those moments in life where we know a choice has to be made here. Staying here is no longer an option. Life is going to take us this way or that way. And right here, what we choose to do is going to determine our destiny. And there's this iconic line where they're sitting there trying to wrestle internally with whether they are going to give in to despair and die or whether they are going to fight their way out. And the line is this. What one man can do, another can do. Say it. What one man can do, another can do. Ladies, it's true for you too. What one man can do, a woman can do. Say it, ladies. What one man can do, a woman can do. We will not say what one man can do, a woman can do better. All right? Do you believe it? Today is week 16, and the gospel writer John says this. You heard it from Steve a moment ago. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now, there was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. Now, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light because the true light that gives life to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. 
And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and yet his own did not receive him. But to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. I'm not talking children born of natural descent or human's decision or husband's desire or will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. Those 14 verses of John that I've just shared with you right there are the heartbeat of what Christmas is all about. Those 14 verses of John right there are what the entire gospel of John is all about. But guys, it's more than that. Those 14 verses of John right there are the heart and soul of what the Bible is all about. Those 14 verses of John are what the gospel, the good news proclaimed by prophets and angels and apostles there forward, it is what it is all about. And if you know those 14 verses of John, then you get what God is trying to do in this world. And I'm here again to say what one man can do, another can do. Because what I want to encourage each and every one of you to do is to take those 14 verses of John and burn them in your brain this December. Memorize them. What one man can do, another can do. Say it. What one man can do, all of you say it. What one man can do, another can do. I've shared this with you before. The only grade that I ever got an F on, like on my report card, the only class that I've ever gotten an F on was memory. True story. All right? If I can do it, you can do it. And here's why. Is it just so you can like, oh, man, like I can impress my friends and neighbors? I mean, well, really, I got to tell you, they're not going to be impressed. All right? You you know, it's like, well, man, God's going to love me more if I... No, no. It's because if you know this, if you've taken it and you've eaten it and you've ingested it and you've made it a part of your mind and your soul, you are going to be rooted in what the gospel is about. Because these 14 verses of John are about something else as well. They're about something that we call witness. They are about God's heart for people and about how God wants nothing more than the people of this world to realize who he is and what he's about and the goodness and restoration and forgiveness and redemption that he has in store. But guys, I'm here to tell you something. We who grow up in these church circles, we take this for granted, but I got to tell you something. People don't know. We think they know. It seems so obvious to us. We've gotten guilty, haven't we often, of getting tired with the story? Yeah, Jesus died, Jesus rose, I got it, let's move on, right? But do you realize that there are people in this world that just don't know? I want to introduce you to someone today. Her name is Chris Stanek. She's got an incredible story that she, she uh, shared with a few of us that happened to her a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, Chris, you've got to share this with FOF. Oh, my gosh. Would you uh, welcome her forward, please? Hi. Um, just wanted to share a story. One of the, what I do for a living is I'm a teacher, and I teach eighth grade language arts, English and reading. And this is generally where people go, oh. Because, you know, but somebody's got to do it. So we just finished reading the story, The Outsiders. And it was a couple weeks ago. And what, we, what is in that story is a poem called Nothing Gold Can Stay by Robert Frost. And we were doing an activity where the kids were analyzing the poem. They were going line by line to figure out what it meant. So the kids were working on the poem. And 
I had a couple girls come up to me, and one of the lines in the poem is, and so Eden sank to grief. And they said, is Eden a boy's name or a girl's name? And I said, well, Eden is a place. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they sat down. So I thought, okay, you can't really analyze a poem if you don't know what the words are, what they're talking about. So got together with the group, and I said, who knows what Eden is or where Eden is? And there were a couple hands that went up. Not a lot, but we started talking about it. And the more we talked about what Eden was, what creation was, Adam and Eve, the more hands went up and kids were feeling more comfortable about sharing their faith. As a public school teacher, I don't get a ton of times when I'm able to share my faith, but I do it when I get those opportunities when they come around. And I think that's one of the things that we need to be aware of, that God puts those opportunities in front of us, and they're not always you know, huge you know, signs saying, talk about God now. They're, they're just little things that happen that you can put into your life. But I think the most amazing thing that happened, and what I really liked most, was when we were talking about this, we did that line, I went, was going on to the next line, and one of my students said, wait, what happened after that? So we got to talk about it a little bit more. But it's a great opportunity, and I think we just need to be aware that those kinds of things are out there for all of us every day. Thanks. I think that we hear the term witness, and it kind of sends the cold shiver down the spine a lot of times because we've become to associate it with, with, with like these images we've seen of like the dude on the corner with the bullhorn screaming at people or the guy wearing like the sandwich boards that says something like repent or burn. You know, we, we've seen that kind of thing. I had the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door um, this past week. Granted, I'm the only person in the universe who loves it when that happens. But, but, but regardless, um, I think we hear the word witness and we somehow think it has to get weird that somehow it has to become something that's this prepackaged, formulaic, canned, kind of like just out of sync with what is going on experience when nothing could be further from the truth. Because what John 1 is about is that God loves this world and he loves the people of this world. And there is a world and, and it's in darkness, but God's light is big enough to overcome whatever that darkness might be. But the reality is people just don't know. Now, when scholars look at John 1, 1 to 18, this whole like summary section that John begins his gospel with, they say it's in, it's in um, a, a poetic form called a chiasm, all right? Give me a chiasm here today. I just felt good all over right there. That was amazing. Now, chiasm is called chiasm because it's based on the Greek letter Chi. We don't have the Greek letter chi in English, but if we did, it would make this sound. <laughs> All right? You got to get in the back of your throat. Like, hock up phlegm, and you'll get it. Give me a... <laughs> okay? That is the sound of chi, and it is actually the first letter of the Greek word Christos from where we get the name Christ. All right? By the way, just as an aside, have you ever seen people do Xmas? And, like, and you get someone going, man, they're X and L, Christ and Christmas. No, it's not what it's about. It's all, it's the Greek letter chi and mass. It's 
mess, okay? So you don't have to freak on that one, all right? But John 1, 1 to 18 is set up as a chiasm, and the, and the, the, the poetry works like this. You take the first line and you take the last line, and they parallel. Then you take the next line or idea on both ends, and you keep working your way in to the point of an X or the point of the chi, which gives the central idea of what the poet is trying to get across. It's like high school A, B, B, A coming back to haunt you. You know what I mean? Kind of going on here. Um, this is what chiasm is all about. So to put it in practical terms, it would mean this. John 1.1 1, 1 and 1.18 parallel each other. And they keep working in. And if you do this, you come to a central point in John 1, verse 12. And I'd like you to turn there with me this morning. There's Bibles underneath your chair if you don't have John 1 memorized yet. All right? It's at verse 12. And you can do this at home. You could trace this. It boils right into here. John 1, 12. You got it? Read it and say it with me. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name. You guys there? All right, I'll give you a couple more. All right, you there? All right, say it with me. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Right there is the heart and soul of what John is about. Right there is the heart and soul of that opening statement. Right there is the heart and soul of the gospel. To those who received him, to those who believe in his name, God gives the right for those people to be children of God. And God wants nothing more than to have more children. He wants all people to be his children but it comes from receiving. It comes from believing, and that comes from witnessing because we live in a world where people just don't know. I love Chris's story so much because it was just natural on the spot, right? Just taking that opportunity when it arose to explain what it's all about. And guys, I know that you face similar opportunities throughout your life as well. I want to share with you just a few easy ways that you can bring the light of Christ to someone here this Christmas. You know, I find this time of year, a lot of people are facing a lot of darkness. I know this one person that it's a day-by-day choice for them to get out of bed because it doesn't feel for them like the world has anything out there anymore. It feels just kind of meaningless and empty and void, and life has lost its, its passion and its joy. And I think of this person, and I think of the line, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. I know someone else whose marriage is an absolute breaking point is probably the way to put it. It feels like this fragile Christmas ornament that someone had dropped and then tried to glue back together, and it looks okay, but everyone's just kind of afraid that if you touch it a little too hard, it's going to crumble. And I think of them, and I think of the two people, and I think of two people that I love, and yet two people who are struggling, and I think of the line, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. I think of my family who this past summer had to say goodbye to a mom, not mine, but my godmother, an aunt, a grandma, but for many of her sisters, also a confidant and a best friend. And they stood face to face with cancer, and cancer claimed the victory on the battlefield that day. And I see the hurt and the sorrow and the grief, and I hear those words, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. I remember earlier this spring when I shared with you when my dad took his own life, and you're sitting there just in the aftermath of it. 
And having those words go through my head, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Because what the heart and the soul of the gospel is all about, and what the heart and soul of what Jesus has come to do, guys, is simply this, that God comes down. That God comes down to when his people are in the wilderness. That God comes down to when his people are in the desert. That God comes down to when his people are in darkness. Is it any wonder or surprise that Jesus, when he was born, was born in a manure trough? Because we have a God who isn't afraid to get dirty. We have a God who isn't afraid to get into the, duck, into the muck and come down and get into the darkness. Because that's who our God is. Because what's most important to him is the hearts of his people. And he will go to any lengths to come to where people sit in darkness and call people back to him. And there is no darkness in this world that can overcome it. No darkness that stands a chance, is there? When God shows up and says, here I am, the darkness is terrifying. People have been afraid of it for a thousand years. But Jesus comes to shine light in that darkness because that's who our God is. And people are dying to hear it. You know, you're going to meet people in darkness this December. It's going to come out casually. One of the best things that you can do for them, let me, let me share this, just one way to witness. Just, just look at them and get beyond the, the polite little laughs that try to dismiss things and bring it back to a casual level. Just put a hand on their shoulder or grab their hand and go, hey, can I pray for you? You think you could do that? It might be a step from here to there, but does that seem within your power? Come to someone and say, can I just pray for you? And to pray with them right there in that darkness. Do you know how powerful a light that shines when people pray? Here's another thing. Maybe you're talking to them. Maybe they have no idea what Christmas is about. Maybe you can simply invite them. You sat like on a phone book of literature this morning, right? We've included in there like these, these Christmas cards, these invite cards, things like that. Maybe just saying, hey, man, you cannot believe what we had going on at FOF this week. This guy named Pedro Carrera was in. He brought his band, the worship rock. Oh, my gosh, we sang these carols. It was like half Spanish, half English. I didn't know what was going on, but it was awesome. And you've got to come check this out. Maybe it's just something simple like that. Or maybe it's coming to someone and just cutting right to the chase. Maybe you're talking to maybe conversation brings it up like it did for Chris. Do you know what the Christmas story is really all about because I'm telling you if you've got John 1 imprinted on your soul you've got it all see a lot of people see Christmas and at most they see just like some some like baby in a manger and it's kind of nostalgic and cool but what Christmas is all about and what John is all about is that there is something more going on there is something more to who Jesus is in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus is life, and that life is the light of men. You know it. Share it. Be a witness. Tell them who this God is, who this Jesus is all about, and what he's come to do. Because I guarantee you, to those of you who are sitting in darkness and to those of you who are facing it and to those of you who are coming up against those who are facing it in their life, there is no darkness that can overcome the light and the life of Christ. And he offers it to you and to everyone who will receive it, who will believe in his name. Guys, that is the heart and soul of what John 1 is all about. I invite you again, this December, 
Make it your own. Memorize it. Let God's words infiltrate you and speak to you and shape you, and may they come out of you to bring his light into darkness wherever it can be found. Amen?